And welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy. And the D's have notched up their ninth win on the trot. Wins that have been bookended by victories against the Suns. In fact, since round 17 of the shortened 2020 season, we've won 21, lost four and drawn one from 26 matches. We are truly living through a golden age. What a time to be alive. Joining me tonight, veteran Demon Lander, fresh off the plane from Queensland, George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Binman. Good evening, listeners. And hopefully tonight we can provide a more entertaining program than what than the uh, federal government budget analysis, which is going on at this very moment. Oh, well, hopefully we don't put anyone to sleep uh, tonight, and for those listening in the car especially. Um, also joining us tonight, unfortunately still watching the Demons from his couch, Bin Man. Welcome, Bin Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And that surprises me, George. I would have thought with your love of Melbourne finances, this would be like one of the big nights in the, in the George household is budget night. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I haven't heard any news in the budget about a training facility uh, <laughs> financing, uh, so I've come to do this instead. Right, any any news on, you know, the uh, federal government promising some money for a social um, facility for us? No, no, no nothing whatsoever. So, um, yeah. We'll, we'll stay away from that. Let's talk demon, demon stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get straight into to that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to head up uh, to the Gold Coast on a rescue mission to retrieve my car. Coincidentally, on the same weekend, the D's were playing up there. Well, that's what I. Uh, that's the way I sold it to my wife. Um, I, I arrived on uh, Friday evening to torrential rain uh, with a forecast of thunderstorms on my my phone app for the next day. Uh, Saturday arrived and the morning it was absolutely glorious sunshine as you would expect from the Gold Coast but as the afternoon wore on it became more and more overcast and uh, it did look ominous uh, but the rain uh, never came uh, which was great uh, for us. It still was a very hot and humid night and after the match I did go on the ground and, and we'll talk about it later. It was, uh, was quite wet the deck, uh, must have been from the, the day before as well. Uh, but pre-match, I, I went to the Queensland Demons function and once again I, I was lucky enough to touch and have a photo with the 2021 Premiership Cup and that's my fourth or fifth time touching the Holy Grail and and it never gets old. The, the smile on my face could power a, a small factory every time I ha- have a photo with that beautiful piece of uh, silverware. And I think the club's doing a fantastic job of ensuring that as many supporters as possible all around the country uh, get their hands on it. Uh, uh, so look out for it as the Gs travel into state because I believe they're going to be taking it uh, with them all over the country this year. So that's a great thing. Get, get a photo with it uh, while it lasts. Uh, the match itself, in general terms, I never felt 
I really felt worried during the match, even when they kicked the first few goals. It's no secret that the Suns play uh, their best footy in the first few weeks of the season. They've they've got a, a few very talented young guns in the team, but on the whole, they don't really have the arsenal all around the ground to stop a team that's as well drilled as ours. Uh, once we got the lead and we were 14 points up, we'd get to 20 or 26 points up and I was expecting us to steamroll them uh, from that point, but they always just seemed to get one or two goals back and then we'd get one or two back and then in the end, if not for our wayward kicking for goal in the last week, we probably would have steamrolled them. And in the end, I, I reckon the scoreboard flattered them a little. Um, and as I mentioned, you might have noticed that our, our skills looked a little bit sloppy. And you're probably scratching your head watching at home because the conditions looked perfect, but it was very hot and humid. And due to the downpour the day before, that surface was very wet. As I said, putting my hand on the ground at the end of the game, you could feel in the dirt and the grass, how wet it actually was. So that definitely contributed to some of the sloppy skills of the night. Uh, I was never really nervous uh, that we'd let the game slip from us. And I know I mentioned this last week, but the, uh, the old Melbourne probably would have. Remember that game where we just stole it in the last second? And, and as I said last week, we've uh, we've really, meaning I've got to stop comparing this Melbourne side to any Melbourne side of the past because it's a different beast. And, Speaking of beasts, uh, Christian Petrarca, he just keeps going from strength to strength. He, he's unbelievable to watch. Such explosive pace and lateral movement through and out of a pack. Uh, he had a PB uh, for number of possessions. After the match, he was listed as having 41 possessions, but the mongrels robbed him of a stat once again. He's ended up with 40 possessions, 17 contested, six clearances, eight score involvements, 14 inside 50s. That's incredible. 780 metres gain and the wayward kicking with two uh, behinds. Uh, before you guys go on, I'll just say that his last five matches have been incredible from the qualifying final to this week. He's had 30, goal, uh, 30 possessions, two goals, Preliminary final 32 and one goal, grand final 39 and two, round one 38 and two, round two 40 and the two behinds that I mentioned. That's just an incredible run of games. Um, any general comments? But B-Man, maybe you want to jump in before George takes us on a deep dive of our tactics that helped us secure the victory over the Suns. Yeah, it was interesting that you both went and um, there was a bit of discussion on Damon Land. I know we'll sort of touch it on it. Um, George will touch on a bit now in terms of that discussion about the lead. But, you know, the, it looked I, to my eye afterwards and um, when the players were interviewed um, and, you know, just in that last quarter, they looked absolutely spent, um, or both players from both teams. Um, so I was curious, really, both your sort of sense of actually how hot it was up there, how humid. Um, and the other thing, just as a sort of aside, or two other things, is one, there was a bit of talk about how many Demon fans there. You know, there was talk that it was 70, 80% Demon fans, 80, 20. Um, but just before, while I think of it, um, Andy, we didn't talk much about track or Oliver last week. And I think George noted how fantastic it is that you could go through a, a sort of a review of a match and not highlight their games. But you're, you're totally spot on to highlight uh, track's game. But in the call of the game, 
they they when he was at 14 i think he was 14 inside 50s with about 15 minutes to go and they said the record was 16 um inside 50s so he was monty i thought at that point to to get that record but he was phenomenal and his ability to walk to get through traffic and his agility is extraordinary isn't it and um he really sort of powered through and um, you know, for a big power athlete like him to, to play that sort of game in that, that sort of sapping um, heat and humidity, it was just incredible. It was sort of a testament to his fitness that it hasn't dropped off. And, yeah, I'm just curious really what your sense at the ground was, both in terms of the atmosphere of Melbourne fan, but in particular I'm interested in sort of actually how human and sort of draining that heat was. I'll let George uh, answer that in a second. For me, it was um, it was very hot. I, I mean, I had a scarf around my neck, so that didn't help. But it was very hot. I was I was sweating. I had a t shirt and shorts on. Um, yeah, it, it was hot, George. Yeah, the, the the temperature was probably very very pleasant, and it feels that way. Except that it was so humid, and um, you get no sense of that um, on the television. The, the The ball was like a cake of soap. Uh, and I, I think the statistics actually from the game proved that that um, it's not a it wasn't a game for big big men um, with the exceptions uh, um, of Casbolt and, and Jackson. Um, not many others could mark it during the night. I think Max Gorn had two marks for the night, one of which was definitely a chess mark. Um, ben Brown had two. T Mac had two. The ball just just wouldn't stick in hand, so it was just just that slippery. Um, so it, it's really hard for people to appreciate uh, how sapping that sort of humidity is, um, and I hope that it doesn't really affect the side when they've got to play this week, um, because it really took them out of out, it really took it out of both sides. The ball was just in certainly in that last quarter, and the third quarter had substantial amounts of it as well, where the the ball just couldn't be moved from one portion of the ground to the other because both sides were completely and utterly sapped quite literally to um to run a more entertaining game but i think that was also part of our plan and we'll talk about that shortly as well and just before you do um george just as a general comment about the game is i actually thought it was a fantastic game of footy and and i guess we'll touch on it through the show but um, I was really impressed with with the Suns. I thought the uh, Jude did a great job of coaching, and um, they they I think they've got some real strengths. Um, and and I thought they played really well. So you know, my sense is that um, you know as the season wears on, um, that 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 win will look like a pretty good win because they'll you know they'll I know that they they historically. Uh, it's been noted a few times that they start well in the season and they've got a good record. It's not so much last year, but previous they've won three out of their first four or things like that. But I, th- I thought they they were super impressive and I, I thought it was a good game of footy, really good game of footy to watch. And I, I was really, um, you know, really pleased with the win. Yeah, you put, I think we'll get a yeah, go ahead, sorry. Go. I think we'll get a really good idea of the Suns because they're playing GWS this week. Um, I think that'll. Uh, really tell you where they stand on the ladder, given where GWS finished last year. So, um, yeah, I think I think they'll really challenge a lot of sides. And you add King into that team, and obviously he's not going to be there this season. But uh, yeah, it, he he definitely will add a lot uh, to that that team. And losing Rankin, mm. um, yes. I, I'm actually sure when how late in the day he came out, but I thought he was. It must have been between when the selection was made. He wasn't selected, was he? 
Oh, sorry, he was selected. He was selected. He, he, yeah, so in those sorts of conditions, he would have made a difference in terms of those ground ball gets, and particularly because mm. that's an area of the, of the sort of defence that stretches us a bit when with those mid-side forwards. So, um, yeah, they, they were impressive, I thought. Um, uh, let's uh, move on, George. You were going to, to give us a bit of a deep dive into the tactics um, that got us the win. Yeah, I... We've just spoken about the um, the weather conditions and the game conditions and the conditions on the ground. Um, it was absolutely utterly critical that the rotations um, for the team were well managed. And I think this was, again, we talked about this last year. Uh, we've got a number of players um, who play a lot of time on the ground. And the advantage of that is uh, it enables others um, to get more rotations. There's a limit of 75 rotations onto the field. So, for example, uh, in this match, we had Langdon, May and Tomlins that all played 100% game time in those conditions. Um, more importantly, the, 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 um, the Suns had similar sorts of percentages um, in terms of who, who was playing on the ground. But the important thing is that it enables someone, let, let's use create an example, someone like Patraka can get an extra rotation or an extra rotation or two because these guys are actually staying on the ground. And instead of being a single rotation that might be for five minutes, he can do two of two and a half minutes. Um, So you see people like Patraka and Oliver getting a quick short rest where normally they wouldn't get, uh, get one. The Suns, on the other hand, particularly in the rucking area, uh, which was barely on was on the ground for 76% of the time, um, which means he was off the ground if, if you say the game's 100 minutes and while this isn't a perfect piece of arithmetic, um, which was spending his time off the ground, whereas Gorn and Jackson were spending their time on the ground uh, in the forward line. So... Um, what happened was that Chole had uh, had to leave their forward line and move into the ruck and play those extra minutes, whereas our two ruckmen were effectively assisting the the rotations policy. And at the end of the day, that in a game that is where is so exacting and so draining, that that makes the difference. That um, Patrick is still running in the last quarter, and people like Raoul and Anderson, you know, can barely get a can barely get a trot up around them, sort of thing. So. I think that our rotations is, is something very critical, particularly in these sort of games. I think we'll see a few other players um, when we come back down to Melbourne this week probably stay longer on the ground as well. Um, so uh, it, it's a really nice little one um, percenter that we get, but I think it ultimately pays out in the end. Just on that, George Tomlinson noted that I saw a post-match interview with him out in the um, from the rooms, and he made the point that he was on the ground for 100 percent of the time. Noted the heat as well, and yeah. um, he made exact that, that exact point that by him doing that, it gives other players the opportunity to get a chop out. Um, and it's something, as you say, that was a, a really important part of um, our system last year, wasn't it? In terms of also being able to use players in bursts and, you know, some of those younger players only getting 50-60% of time, so... Yeah. The, the other piece of tactical um, uh, now, so I think, that we used in the game, and I'm afraid the, the Melbourne supporters are going to have to get used to this. Um, uh, Bin Man spoke about it, particularly towards the end of last year, was the ability that we... and, and the tac- tactical methods that we employ to just shut a game down 
once we get in front. Um, we were behind that short period in the in the first quarter, dragged it back, ground them down. Second quarter opened up that lead, and basically the game stayed where the, where it was that two to three goal margin um, for the rest of the game. Um, this reminds me very heavily of Paul Ruse when he was at Sydney. Once they got in front, they never ever conceded the, conceded uh, to the opposition, and we we're doing exactly the same thing. You could see it at the ground with uh, the way posi- uh, players were being positioned, particularly on the wings. Uh, they would take the defensive side. Um, in the event that the Suns got the ball out, you actually had an extra two players down in the defending line very, very quickly. Um, Goodwin, in his post-match interview, made the point when one of the um, reporters asked him about our inability to kick goals, he simply said, we didn't need to kick goals, and that proved to be the case in the end. I think, unfortunately, what we're going to see is more of this during the season where we will win games simply to win games, and you won't see too many blowouts like we saw in the grand final. It may not be entertaining to watch, but you get to see see the wins just amassed during the season. It's really interesting, George. Yeah, you sort of picked up on, uh, that that's what you chose to focus on this week because I was reflecting on that comment from Goodwin in the sense that it was unusually sort of uh, I, honest is maybe the one word, but like, you know, in a way that he spoke to our philosophy of, you know, it, of not needing to score is holding the opposition from scoring. And I think, you know, when we talk about other sides, and I'll talk a bit about Adelaide, uh, sorry, Essendon a bit later, but the, um, that's something that sort of makes us distinct from other teams, our sort of a, a key strategy. I mean, all teams are trying to stop other teams scoring, but we make it an offensive weapon almost to, to reduce their ability to do so. And um, so I, I had a couple of sort of thoughts about that, one of which was that I'm, I'm really sort of, my sense is the big driver in that last quarter um, was one, that's what our strategy is in any case. But I, I think with that humidity that you guys talked about and how draining it was, that, you know, with the six-day break coming in um, into next week's game is that it was prudent to do that, like why keep going. But if you go back to the first quarter, what was really, I, I was struck by how we played in that first quarter because, you know, as we've talked about often enough, we're so predictable in our um, patterns and the way we move. We were unusually aggressive with our ball movement in that first 20 minutes of the first quarter. If you go back and look at the um, replay, there's there was a whole there was a number of examples where we went through the corridor where, and it just reminded me you know the, how infrequently we do that and one of the more striking things was May going up the centre um, um, with his kicks from kick out rather than to that that left hand side and my theory was you know perhaps you could think well we we weren't switched on or we were looking to you know experiment I don't think I think more. Um, likely is that we were looking to steal a break early in the game um, and then we were going to do exactly what we ended up doing that you're saying, I think you're accurately saying, is go into control mode, tempo mode in, mode in that last quarter. I, I, I think the strategy was to get a 4-5 goal early lead and hold it for the whole match and um, there was talk on the telecast that the the rain was due to come at halftime. So I feel like that their thinking was maybe if we can get an early jump on them and then hold them, rain will come, we'll, we'll hold that match, you know, that lead for the rest of the match um, because it was really, I found it really striking there sort of how unusual it was, how aggressive they were. Um, and, you know, for, uh, 
again, I think it's interesting watching other teams sort of try variations on how we play is the problem with that model is you turn it over and you score and within a short period of time they were up to a 15-point lead and easily could have been three, four goals and almost all of that lead was based around turnovers and just being aggressive in the middle, turning it over in a high in a low percentage spot to turn it over. Um, and that sort of really flagged too is, the, you know, it was unusual we don't play like that. We play the percentages down the wing. And then as soon as they got out to that 15-point lead, we reverted on field and mm. went back to how we normally play and didn't make an aggressive move for the rest of the match. Basically all down the line, you know, no real risky kicks to the corridor. Um, and as you perfectly, you know, correctly say, they the sort of grounded out, didn't we? Um in terms of the scoring, that was interesting, that low scoring. I had a mate who, in terms of the margin and not scoring much in the last quarter, um, you know, he, Goody said in the press batch conference, as you say, that we, you know, he talked about that, that we didn't need to score, but he also said that we weren't tired. And I reckon that was a little bit disingenuous in the sense that maybe he didn't want to give Essendon the sort of, you know, any ammunition whatsoever to acknowledge that the players were tired. But to my eye, they, you know, they're not, that would be, robots if they weren't tired because it was so humid um but my mate made the point that just after the beginning of the third quarter we were 10-1 um mm. and then we reverted to type and ended up and finished the match 12-10 um and at least three of those five points in the last were pretty easy shots and in the second half we actually had more scoring shots 12-10 so you know um my mate was saying it's sort of that notion that good conversion is often interpreted as playing well and bad conversion playing badly, but it's small margins, isn't it? We could have easily won that game by, you know, four or five goals and there would be no talk at all about the fact that the margin was pretty, um, uh, you know, it was only, what, in the end, 13 points, wasn't it? So, again, uh, bad kicking was bad football. <laughs> Um, if you would like to join the show tonight, give us a call 0390163666 at 0390163666 or you can Skype us at Demonland31. You can also head down to our chat room, demonland.com slash podcast. Um, uh, each week uh, we'll be looking at some positives, uh, whether they be team or individuals and, uh, and also areas where we possibly need some improvement and I'll kick off the positives. Um, I don't think we can look past uh, our dual rising star nominee in Jake Bowie. Uh, I talked about our nine-game winning streak in my intro and this little dynamo has has ridden the wave from go to woe. He had a personal best game consisting of an incredible uh, 34 possessions, 18 contested, uh, 16 intercepts, nine marks, 572 metres gain, all at just under 80% disposal efficiency uh, from only 72% game time, which is incredible as well. Uh, this is... Um, uh, this is his second, his third game, he was a rising star nomination. His seventh game was the premiership and his ninth game is his second uh, rising star nomination. Um, last week, uh, you know, I was lamenting the fact that nobody can replace the class and poise of Christian Salem. And while that still may be true, I, I think we're well on our way of unearthing another gem and he's a handy backup uh, uh, that he and he'll he'll learn from the likes of someone like Salem um, you know there's a lot of comparisons that can be made with like Caleb Daniels and I, I think that's spot on and he may even be better than Caleb Daniels um, particularly because he's only played nine games um, yeah wrapped wrapped with that um, thoughts on 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 Jake Bowie. 
Uh, I thought he's he was brilliant um, and in a really important, I mean, a really important um, part of the win, actually, I thought. What I really liked about him, I mean, apart from all of the things you, you pointed out and his poise and calmness, is that they really got into him. And, in fact, I don't know what the feeling was for you guys watching live, but the Suns, you know, it was interesting. The Suns came out and deliberately had tactics to upset us and to get into us and niggle. And there was a lot of byplay between Raoul and, um, and you know, again, I'm again, not sure if you guys noticed this at the ground, but coming off at each of the quarter breaks and in particularly, particularly the end of the first quarter, there was a lot of talk between the two teams and, um, you know, I'd love to have been in the middle of it and hearing what they were saying. And they got stuck into um, Bowie a fair bit. Um, and he, he stood up for himself he didn't get knocked around like he refused to sort of back down um and you know i've noticed that before but i I sort of had a new appreciation for his toughness actually i thought he was really tough he took you know he went back with a flight a couple of times he was in and under um and they looked to stretch him and i think it made sense to because without salem as you say he becomes a key player in terms of his ability to distribute so i think the ability to play in the absence of Salem um, and also play to that level, play such a key role uh, and take that sort of physical buffering was a real sign of a player who's not only got the skills but he's also got that competitive mindset that you need to be a really, really good player and that's something I love about Salem as well. So, um, I, yeah, I could not be more impressed with his game and as I say, it's, he was a really inf- a big influence on our ability to win that game, I thought. It's um, the real pity for Bowie in this game was that you had this bloke called Petrarca who was on the ground because, quite honestly, um, I, I thought Bowie's efforts were just as equal. Um, he's, he, he's played nine games. It's not surprising the Suns tried to target him, but his poise and ability, like Salem, um, to seem to have that extra couple of seconds just to assess things. And he delivers the ball beautifully. I think he was... Disposal efficiency at eighty odd percent for the game. Um, he, he is a real gem to to uh, have have been found. I I was really impressed. He's at the game. You're watching him, and he just reads the play so beautifully. And uh, yeah, the 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 team is um, very well placed with him in it, and he's not going anywhere out of the side in subsequent weeks when people like Lever and uh, Salem and uh, him had become available. No, no, I mean he's. <laughs> Like, it's remarkable, isn't it, how like his ninth game, how already he's a key part of that back six, and particularly yeah. with Hibbert not playing, with Lever not playing, um, you know, with that, the, the, with Rivers not playing, um, up until this week, who, you know, he was down this week. We really needed, um, a defender, and he's just, you know, he's, it belies his age and experience, the way he's, he's sort of, um, how cool he is under pressure. And I think the other thing, George, that I really like about the way he plays is his decision-making. He makes good decisions. So he's got the combination of good skills to execute, but it's the, the really good players have got both. Is you know They make sound decisions, and under pressure he makes good decisions and um, plays the percentages. He, he's a ripper, isn't he? Yeah, George, uh, you want to give your positive? Well, we might as well continue on that, on that line since we're talking about the back line because uh, once again, I was really, really impressed with the defensive side of, of the team this week. You know, the, the coach made a point about, uh, I think they had 59 or 60 entries inside 50 um, for, uh, I think it was 19 scoring shots in total for the for the uh, Suns. So um, I, I'm just amazed that, you know, if you'd said to us, Lever and Hibbert and Rivers 
and Salem are going to be missing out of this defensive um, uh, side, uh, defensive team at the start of the season. You'd be horrified with the prospects. But Tomlinson and Smith and Bowie's picked up the game as well. That there's been no change. It's just just remarkable. They operate to a system. They back each other up. It is just remarkable to watch. May was particularly. He was. Um, quite often the, the man who basically um, held the fort right at the right at the very end because Kaz Bolt in particular is a very good mark and so was uh, Chol when he was down there. Uh, May held them to what uh, held them out uh, time and time again. But Smith and Tomlinson, Smith and Tomlinson were fantastic in the way that they slotted in to assist and. Um, yeah, it, was, it's, it has just been remarkable how well they all gel together. Um, we've lost nothing as a result of these injured players. So, um, yeah, full credit to Troy Chaplin as the defensive coach because um, they are doing brilliantly the, with the way things are working down there. Uh, B-Man, you've got a positive? Yeah, two positives from a player's perspective is... You know, we talked, well, I've talked a bit about um, both on the podcast and also sort of in chats on Demonland of of Smith and Tomlinson competing for a spot potentially. Not, I don't think the same role, but, um, and, um, you know, my view is Smith's ahead and I thought he had another good game, but my positive is Tomlinson. I thought he was terrific and, um, you know, he... His mobility looked a bit better, but he at one point he sort of turned and pivoted on his um, knee in the way that he did down in that game at Casey Andy. Mm. Um, but he looked a bit better. Um, he took a really excellent, important um, mark going back with a flight of the ball. There wasn't someone behind him, but he really needed to mark it in slippery conditions because if he didn't, it was one of those situations, one out, one out, the ball would have been loose on the ground in that forward line. Um, as he noted himself and as I noted before, he played 100% game time. Um, he uh, kicked well. Um, you know, it was great to see him playing that role. And um, uh, you know, I, he's a reliable player. He's obviously a strong culture player as well. Uh, you know, he's an important member of the club in terms of, of what he brings from a sort of good citizen culture perspective. Um, so I was really because I was thinking about well, I'm comparing the two, and I've had Tomlinson out, and the sort of it was great to see him play well. I still of the view that probably Smith's ahead of him, but it's it's probably not a binary thing at the moment in terms of... I, I, I've got a feeling Lever might be a couple of weeks away if, you know, mm. they feel like they're playing a bit ducks and drakes with that. Um, so he's in until Lever's back in at the very least. So I thought he was important, um, played a good game. My other positive was it's really interesting. I really like how good he is. He's so much more relaxed um, in those press conferences and he... He's genuinely gives some insight, I think, uh, about his sort of thinking. And he, the first player he complimented, well, the first player he commented on in the press conference was Cosy. Um, and his pressure was just fantastic. Um, you know, again, on Demon Land, there's a lot of discussion often about T Mac is in the frame at the moment. A lot of people are saying he's down. And, you know, I think that probably in our way we play, the key thing is role um, and stats are less important. And uh, you've just got to listen to Goody. He talks about it every single week, and which is why he made the point about Cozzy. Like he, and he didn't talk about Cozzy's two goals. He talked about the pressure Cozzy applied. Um, and I think that that's all you need to do is that if you're in the side, you can be clear that you're playing, that Goody thinks they're playing their role. Otherwise, he won't select them. Um, so I thought Cozzy's first half, even though 
he didn't have the same numbers. His pressure was fantastic. His second half was was good as well. Um, leaving all that aside, the discussion about um, um, his pressure and what he brings to it and his role within the team, Cosie, I'm talking about, that goal he kicked was like, that's what, you know, that's what you go to the footy for. That was something else. I'm not sure where you guys obviously were sitting in terms of relation to, to that, whether you're on the wings or... But the commentator, I forget which one of them said it, maybe it was uh, Russell, but saying, you know, that, no, it was Brereton. He, he knocked the Suns player for not blocking him, getting his hand out, and was basically accusing the Suns player of, of a weak effort. But there's no way that Suns player, I forget who it was, was going to stop him. It was so, the, his sideways movement was so quick and so sharp. Um, and then to be able to kick it from that angle, it was just a, you know, as a standalone bit of footy, it was just magic and one of the best goals. That, you know, it's a remarkable how little attention it's got, I, I thought, because it's one of the best goals I've seen in from a Melbourne player in years. It was, And it was also a pretty crucial point of the game because exactly as you're saying, George, is that our methodology is to get a 3-4 goal win, a lead, I should say, and then hold it. And that enabled it. That goal helped us get that lead. Um, and then we were able to go into sort of tempo control mode. Um, just really fantastic to watch. Could I just add a little bit more about Smith? Um, at, at the ground, I was really, really impressed because... The conditions were slippery and difficult for, for marking um, and he was pitted against Chole a lot of the time, um, who's a very, very good um, athlete at the very least. Um, there were a couple of occasions where he wasn't able to mark the ball that came to ground or he actually kicked it to the wrong person further up the field. And what really impressed me was the second efforts. When he, when he failed to take a mark, he followed up and put in again and got possession back. When he kicked it to the opposition, I think it was in the second quarter, yeah, it yeah. came back and he tackled the tackled his opponent to regain it. So the, the second efforts were really, really telling. And I think that's the sort of thing that the coach wants and that's the sort of thing that we're not seeing from a few other players who are playing in the VFL. So, yeah. Um, all credit, all credit to him for that. I remember exactly the one because he really butchered the ball, didn't he, going yeah. forward. And it looked like his energy was... To, to make up for immediately and then he had he was lucky enough I guess to have that opportunity to do so but it's really about mindset because he was did have the opportunity to impact the next contest but if he wasn't thinking I'm going to attack the next chance he wouldn't he wouldn't have been ready um, yeah. to do so and I think um, you know it speaks to a fellow who's pretty hungry isn't it uh, you know he's yeah. hungry for his spot he's going to fight for it um, he look he's looking more comfortable um, and he's yeah, he's super athletic. There's no, you know, obviously that's a, it's sort of a given, but I think it's well worth saying. He, they love his pace, I'm sure, and his um, physical sort of ability to jump. He was wearing a, a brace on his hand. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether he's got a wrist injury, but it looked like a huge so, guard. It was, um, I was shown in training vision during the week that they suspect he got a kick in it. Uh, I think it was that they said the previous week it might actually have been broken. You never know with these sort of things, but... He well, does remarkable any, any luck, this this guy. <laughs> well, we played, so... Yep. The other interesting one just uh, on injuries was uh, Rivers looked pretty proppy right from the get-go and he yeah. was strapped pretty heavily and he came off at one point yeah, he and he looked off. pretty distraught. I was really worried that he was, like, he'd done something because... Um, but he, he played out the game, which was, was another positive because um, I was really worried we were going we to lose him for... Um, a solid block of time. 
Yeah, it was interesting. I think in, it was uh, May or Tomlinson it was interviewed about it and they, they said something like he, he came back a bit early because we needed him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Into the into the side, but yeah, I was worried in that tackle uh, because uh, you can certainly see it on the replay. He was his his knee was in a um, not the best position when he was tackled, so uh, it wasn't surprising uh, when he hobbled off the ground. But glad that he came back on, so he might be one who may be rested this week as well when we get around to that point. Yeah, that was Steve. Sorry, Andy. That was Steve May who said that, and like I love Steve May's interviews because he's so relentlessly honest but I thought it was a pretty curious thing to say that you know um you know bring him rivers back maybe early and and I guess the thing about that was to get the structure right so they weren't going to bring Hibbert back I think he's gonna like they'll probably take time to make sure his calf's right or um but they I think they without Salem there they were very keen to have a bit of their structure back um, and Rivers is obviously a key player in terms of that consistent structure. So uh, for me, it was almost a structural decision and maybe they were prepared to take a bit of a risk. And as I said in my podcast last week, is he, he strikes me as the sort of player is that you want him playing footy, not sort of sitting around, not, you know, like maybe Hibbert and more, more experienced players can manage time not in the team a bit better. He strikes me as a fellow who needs to be playing footy and so maybe that was part of their consideration. Well, the week isn't over yet. There's always those mystery injuries of the week. Might uh, might wait till later in the week. Um, just a few extra stats on Tomlinson and Smith. Uh, both of them had seven spoils. Um, uh, Tomlinson's uh, had ten intercepts. He's taken um, nine marks as well. Uh, so, yeah, it was wrapped uh, with... His game. Let's uh, move on to uh, improvements, and mine's a bit of a cheat because it's sort of almost a positive, uh, and it's not necessarily an improvement to an individual or on-field team-related aspect of our game. This is solely directed at whoever is in charge of the signing and re-signing of players. Uh, They've got to do every effort must be made to ensure that Luke Jackson is re-signed by the Melbourne Football Club. The, this kid is an out-and-out uh, star of the game. Uh, one footy commentator on the radio the other day said that most Ruckman are just plotters, uh, but not him. Uh, we've got the best number one Ruckman and we've got the current second best Ruckman and future best Ruckman uh, in the league. Uh, he was just immense, particularly in the first half uh, he's the future of this club, and as he plays more and more game time in the ruck, and here's a Max's roles and game time in the ruck and forward transition and sort of overlap, uh, it's going to extend Max's career as well. Uh, Max is becoming a very handy goal-kicking forward. They've kicked three between them this week. They're going to monster teams together because you've got, as you mentioned, the resting, you know, how we rested them uh, in the forward line. Um you know, we can't match the Perth teams in terms of money and the lure of, of home, but surely the chance to be a part of a dynasty and learn at the feet of one of the greatest ruckmen of the modern era will be enough to, to keep uh, Luke here, at least get him to sign a two-year contract and then we can deal with, uh, you know, this all again in a few years. Uh, we simply can't go into 2023 uh, without him in the team. I think, you know, he's extremely important to our ruck because we don't have another ruckman. Um, so if we lose Luke, you saw what he did on the weekend. We want that in there. 
you're the master of the long bow there, Andy, because like <laughs> under improvement. So I'm just walking that back a little bit. What was the actual improvement? The improvement is, is our, is our uh, you know, I think it's Tim Lamb. The, what, uh, he's got to improve because he's got to get this guy signed. And they've done oh, a yeah, fantastic but... job of re-signing everyone. But this guy is the one to re-sign. Uh, well, you haven't watched the replay yet, but if, if you do, Andy, Track is interviewed off the ground. He looks like he's, you know, he's, as I said before, he's totally spent. And um, Jackson's behind him waiting for his turn to be interviewed. And he says, you know, Tim Lamb, come on, get him signed. So <laughs> you're on the same page as Track. Um, and he's a funny fella, Jackson. He's a big kid, really, isn't he? Sort yeah. of, you know, yeah. he took it on the took it in the spirit it was intended. And my feeling is for no, that's because my natural optimism <laughs> is that you know he he'll extend for two years because then you've got he's going to be in, in a better shape in two years time to make the deal probably um, and maybe have you know a, a shot at premiership. I mean West Coast Fremantle. Both of those teams, I mean, West Coast is in struggle town. Fremantle is not in the, as impressive, certainly, as I was suggesting in the preseason mm-hmm. preview. Um, you know, he could go back there at 25, 26. He's only, he's only 20. They kept on yeah. thinking he's 21. But he's 21 at the end of this, this year, I mm-hmm. think, isn't he? So it's December. Yeah. So, you know, he could get to, to extend his contract for two years 23, you know, he's going to be a million-dollar-plus player who can sign a 10-year deal with 23, 24. Or... But the thing is, I reckon this year they're all going to offer him that now. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but there's no rush. He'll get the, you know, like if if you want to look at it at a market value, two, three premierships with maybe a Norm Smith, <laughs> it's going to, you know, what, what price a premiership? I, I think... Um... It's probably Andy's MFC SS coming to the fore Absolutely. here. <laughs> Absolutely. Something her- terrible is going to happen. Yeah. I've got the same situation with Brayshaw as well. And um, the the reality is that the uh, collective bargaining agreement is still in negotiation um, that probably won't be sorted out till mid-year at the very best. Um, it has to be sorted out by October, uh, but certainly they'll try to get it in place by the, by the middle of the year so that... Um, all of these various negotiations can, can, can be completed. It's not just us. Every club is in this, exactly the same situation in that they don't know how much money they've got to spend at the moment. Um, so uh, if you were the manager to Jackson or the manager to Brayshaw, you'd be saying to them, just hang off until we can see how much uh, mool is in the pot and then we'll go for the maximum amount. You don't want to sign up now because you might find that there's more available come June or July. Just as equally, you might find that given the AFL circumstances from the last two years with COVID, there might be less available, in which case it would be a good idea to sign up pretty quickly. Um, But either way, um, there is absolutely no point for someone in their position um, to be signing anything at the moment. Just wait and see what's on the table first, and and then then it will happen, I think, pretty quickly. But that won't help Andy in the short term. And if Tim Lamb is listening, oh, you know, we apologise for any slur on your good name because he's re-signed Christian Salem, he's re-signed Christian Petrarca, he's yeah. re-signed Maxi Gorn, I'm guessing. I mean, he's yeah. got the runs on the board, so he'll get the job done. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the central point is he's a star, isn't he? And he's yeah. not just a star, he's exactly what 
you know, it's crazy to think that it's only two years ago we drafted him. He's exactly, exactly what Taylor was saying is you don't let someone like this go. He, you know, they talk about Kerno being um, a unicorn. There's like, well, he, Jackson's a unicorn's a unicorn. <laughs> he's like, he, he's ability. And as I was saying last week, you know, he turned it on for me with his, like if he starts clunking those marks and then sure enough he took that, you know, he, he's big across the chest. He's getting bigger. Um, he gets his ruck craft going. He's going to be, you know, what do you do? He's so, I heard Uze this morning on SEN talking about Jackson um, and he just sort of made the point that what your point before, Andy, was that it allows um, Maxi Gorn to be more creative. It gives him other options. I heard um, uh, Goody say that, again, Max said, look, he's on fire, put him, um, you know, um, more ruck time. They're going to be very soon if they're not now, George, 50% ruck time probably, close by the end of the year. I will mm-hmm. not be surprised if it's 50-50 um, ruck time, which gives Gorn so much flexibility. But Uze's point was that, you know, he's – key take or my key takeaway from his comment about Jackson was the thing that marks Jackson out is his ability at the ground level you know for a big fella to be able to play almost as a mid as what Uze was saying is that it, you know it essentially adds an extra mid whenever he's near the ball which creates a real problem with oppositions who are trying to use things like out numbers at the contest because you know usually when when they think out number at the contest the ruck's not included in that that mix where you've got to include Jackson and often you know when there's big packs flying, you know, there's two or three bigs. He's he, he's both a big who is a legitimate chance at marking it. He's also good enough to, when the ball hits the ground, to pick it up. And, um, I mean, the other thing we've talked about, Jackson, a lot of it since he's – but really that basket, that ability to to know space around him, George, is really the basketball trade, isn't it? Um, yeah, Married with ability to put the ball into space for a player to run onto. That's a – you know, that's a skill that is very, very hard to teach and it comes naturally to him. So he's the full package. Um, George, you want to give us uh, your improvement? Improvements? Um, a couple of things. I think the goal kicking we've talked about um, and, with, you know, as Ben Man said, you know, good goal kicking wins wind your matches um, before. Um I'll forgive them this week because um, because of the conditions. People were very, very tired towards the end. We had three absolutely, utterly gettable um, chances in that last quarter, which would have blown the, the difference out. To, you know, instead of being a two-goal win, it would have been a five- or a six-goal win uh, if that has gone through. Cozzy had one that he would have slotted. Um, Petrarca had one as well, and A and B had one on the run from about 25 that he missed. Um, so we'll forgive him for that uh, for this week. Um, it's something that can't continue because um, we will lose matches if, if we um, uh, f- fail to get them through the majors like we uh, did. We were 10-1 at, some, at one point and even in the third quarter we were 11-2, uh, but then to blow it out to 12-10 probably shows a little bit about the nature of the game, the way it was played. It was very scrappy from that point on in any case. Um, so, yeah. That an area that needs improving. Um, we didn't have the ball in the hands of people like uh, T Mac and Ben Brown very much in the second half. Um, they're our reliable goal kickers, and thank goodness we had Ben Brown uh, in that first quarter and second quarter, particularly. He slotted a couple from the boundary line, uh, which kept us in the in the right position and got us back in the in the game in, the, in a similar manner to what he did in the grand final. Um, 
when he's needed, he, he is a very good kick for goal. But unless they can mark the ball, um, they don't get those sort of set-shot kicks. So, um, like I said, we'll forgive him this week and I have to move on. I hope it's better next time. Good man, an improvement from you. Uh, well, I'm going to go to the school of um, Andy's longbow of <laughs> definition of improvement. And uh, I know plenty of people disagree with this, um, but I'll stick to my guns on it anyway, is that I reckon the club can improve with its accuracy of information about injuries um, and and you know how long we can realistically expect players to come back. You know, Petty, it feels like was... You know, it was three to four weeks, or sorry, it was four to five weeks ago, about four to five weeks ago. He's still listed as three to four, but no sense whatsoever what that means now. And Levers, another one, was on the cusp of playing that week, um, you know, but I, I, the feeling is he's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses another couple. Um, you know, I know the sort of other side to that discussion is is that people feel, well, why? Why should the fans get, you know, why should they know? Well, I'm in the, the camp that we're the key stakeholders and, the, you know, the other clubs know probably what's going on. Who who are you actually tricking or, well, you know, not tricking, but what's the, you know, maybe they genuinely don't know. But, you know, I, I said last week, Lever's not going to come back or Hibbard. Now, they're not going to this week either. They've already, Goody's already flagged that. So, where are they at? Like um, uh, Hibbard was a test last week. So is he fit or is he not fit? Same with Lever. How bad's his foot? Um, uh, but Paddy, uh, it was good to see footage of him or at least a photo of him training. Well, where's he at? Like how long, you know, when they say three to four weeks, what does that mean? Um, so, you know, I think for the club has been really brilliant at communicating to the fans the last two years especially all through last year um you know i couldn't have been happier with their sort of the criticism that i've had in the past wasn't was um you know in terms of their media and all of that stuff and and allowing sort of fan access but it's a continual frustration for me the the uncertainty or the ability to have any confidence um in their estimation of players return and now i know you know it's a bit of a hiding to nothing because who knows things change. But, you know, I just reckon that it's personally I'd like to get some confidence in their in their estimated timeframes for um, players coming back. I'm not sure how you feel as, fellas feel about that. Yeah, I've always – for me it's always been frustrating about the injuries that uh, we've been kept in the dark. But I do see from the club's perspective and – uh, do you know? Do the opposition clubs know why? I give the opposition clubs a leg up. Um, I don't know if it helps them or, or doesn't. We've come out pretty early in the week and saying that uh, Hibbert and Lever aren't playing. Um, we could have easily have just not said anything and let Essendon keep guessing. Um, so yeah, but it is frustrating. I know when Petty did his injury and things might have changed. Maybe it was worse then. But it was three to four weeks or four to five weeks then, and it still is that now. So is it just not healing? Are they not telling us? Was it always going to be six to eight, eight to ten weeks? As it's or is there another? Changing? Or is it, you know, has something else come up? Has yeah. it not healed well? Uh, when Lever did his foot, they said, oh, it's the good uh whatever yeah. he had, it's, it's a good thing. Well, no, because now he's missing extra weeks. Yeah. Um, but but do you think it's – do you think there's actually um, been a change in the way that the club is operating because of where we are at the moment in, in one sense? 
the only advantage any other club can gain is not so much whether Lever's on the ground or not, but whether Lever's carrying an injury or not. Um, so when he's when he's not on the ground, he's not on the ground. It's as simple as that. So whether he's not there for six weeks or four weeks or whatever, the opposition um, are only in the position where they can play and plan against what's in front of them. Whether Lever can run is more critical to them. But I think what's, what's happened... Um, that we really haven't noticed is we've got a really d- good depth in the club at the moment. There is no need to bring back a leader. No. Well, uh, yeah. There's no need to bring back a Hibbert. Now, in years gone by, we were bringing players onto the field and back from injuries as quickly as possible because we simply didn't have the talent and, and the training and the the conditioning into them. Now's the opportunity, as Goodwin said in his interview, it's a long season. It's yeah. only round two. We'd be very grateful if Lever's back by round four or five and we've got four or five wins under our belt and the yeah. opposition at that point are going, oh, geez, they're going to get better. They're just bringing back a Jake Lever or they're bringing back a Christian Salem because we've taken the time, because we've got that luxury at the moment. We can afford to have people like Bowie and, and Rivers in the side and Tomlinson and, and um, Smith um, holding down their positions very, very well. If they weren't, I will guarantee you, Hibbert would have been back, or or yeah. Lever might have been back. You're right. I mean, that's 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 exactly right, and this gives them an opportunity to do that. And as I said last week, Goody is absolutely wedded to the idea of incumbency. The problem is, if you bring Levy back in, you're not going to arrest him, and so he's mm-hmm. going to stay in. So you're 100 right, but that doesn't. That's a slightly different point as to being sort of why not then say we're going to give him three four weeks. You know, the, the opposite, as you say, the, the opposition in three, four weeks' time aren't going to care. It's whether he plays or not in that Thursday night when they're planning. So I just like some clarity, you know, I don't want to be thinking, how long has Petty got? Is it worse than it is? Like, he only got a bad cork. He had to have an operation. All right, well, okay, what's going on here? You know, it could be end up being nine, ten weeks that he's missed. Um, you know, I want to have some sense of where who, who I think a key player is and, I just find it frustrating to be sort of guessing all the time. But, you know, I get the other side of it. Why should we know? Well, as I say, you know, I think we're key stakeholders. I'd like to know personally. <laughs> Look, I think it could be as simple as like with Lever that they thought, all right, it's only going to be a week or two and then he's come to training, oh, still a little bit sore or whatever. Well, we're not going to risk him. We're going to be conservative because they want they want them to be 100% fit at the pointy end of the season. And and in the meantime, we do have the guys like Smith, Tomlinson, Hunt that can yeah, easily yeah. cover those positions and we're getting game time into those guys. So if there is injuries, mid-year, end-of-year, finals, these guys can can slot in and they've played together. So it, it, Of course, they're, they're all benefits. Then, yeah, but then just say yeah. be super conservative and manage expectations. So we're in no rush to get Lever back. We're going to give him full time. And, I mean, it's good in some senses also to give them a break from, you know, it's a very short pre-season. We've come off our shortest pre-season. That's true. Uh, too. Last week, 57 weeks. So you want to give everyone, you know, particularly the young guys with who haven't played, you know, let's use their freshness and whatever. And But, you know, I see, I see all of that. It's just the communication about the sort of where players are at. Well, you I've, can I've just, just had, I've, go ahead, John. Sorry, I've just just had a call from the club. From now on, every injury is going to be four to six weeks. Yeah, well, <laughs> well it is already. That's how it has been for the last two years. <laughs> you so can last two years, last twenty. Yeah. You can just have the sky is falling attitude as as I do, and just expect that uh, you know someone's going to be out for eight weeks. When they, well, and if they come uh, back earlier, bonus. 
you just you would have been better to the club to have called in and say, "Well, actually, it's no longer four to six; it's six to eight. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, the Casey uh, VFL returned after a long absence. Uh, absence, and the, it's only the VFL competition's only going to benefit us because all these players uh, who aren't going to get a game because of our injuries are in the seniors are playing in the twos and at least getting some match practice. Um, I was driving back from the Gold Coast since Sunday, so I've missed I missed watching Casey's 83-point win over St Kilda's affiliate in Sandringham. I haven't read up that much about the game, and Bin Man, who did watch it, will give us his thoughts in a moment. What I do know is that the 31-year-old veteran Mitch Brown kicked seven goals, three behinds from 14 marks. Our 19-year-old rookie, Jacob Van Ruen, uh, in his first hit out uh, for the club, took eight, eight marks and kicked three goals too, while Sam Wiedemann has only kicked one goal and taken six marks. Other notable stats include ex-Saint uh, Luke Dunstan with 25 possessions, Toby Bedford with three goals, and Bailey Laurie, who was drafted alongside rising star Jake Bowie, had 20 possessions and two goals. Bin Man, can you fill me in on any other details from that match and in particular who you were impressed with, who you weren't so impressed with and, and so forth? Yeah, well, I, just one thing for anyone who's listening who wasn't aware, um, AFL.com on AFL.com, all of the VFL matches are now um, being live streamed with commentary, um, except for the ones that Channel 7 are covering. I think Channel 7 covered, cover one um, VFL game of the round or, or whatever. The rest are all live stream. Does that include uh, on demand after the fact or just while it's happening live? Actually, I don't know. I haven't checked, but I presume it's on demand, I would have thought. Um, so oh, wow. it, it was single camera live streamed. Uh, it was actually terrific. You know, you've heard me bang on about how much I hate the commentary. The commentary was great. It was just the call of the game, very little sort of sort of editorialising. Um, I forget the two fellas. One of the guys is Jack, someone who's on SEN, I think. And um, but a, a really good call of the game. Um, I'm pretty sure a single camera, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, it was, we played terrific. I'm not sure. We had 16... Um, uh, AFL-listed players in the team, and I think um, Sandringham only had three or four. So there's a big gulf in talent between the two teams. Um, what I find fascinating is that, the, you know, they had, didn't have the opportunity to do this last year with missing so many Casey games, um, but they're really mirroring the systems they use um, at Casey for the seniors, uh, and it's really evident what they're doing with that and um, both in the way they play but players mirroring um, in the in the Casey team, the sort of a, a analogous role in the seniors. So, for instance, Daw plays the Max Gorn role. Um, Brown plays the Brown role, which is helpful. Um, Van Ruen, who uh, was terrific, I think he plays the T Mac compete role, um, and you know so so on and so forth. And you know Rosman, to a lesser extent, the sort of running Langdon role, um, meaning that when there's an injury to a player in the seniors, the, the player they bring in um, can both slot into the system but also has played the specific role that um, has gone out of the team. And I think we've seen that already with the advantage of that defensive system of, senior, of players coming into the senior team, you know, knowing their role. I just want to interject there. Uh, in terms of the Casey-listed players, do they train with the Demons at all? Or who do they train with? 
My sense is no, I don't think they do. Um, they train together, and I, but I, I think, like, I, to be honest, it's sort of maybe it's a question for Casey from Casey, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't. And I think there's probably um, insurance reasons, I'd be guessing, for, you know, where I don't know. I, but I'm pretty sure they don't train with Melbourne seniors, but I presume that some of those Melbourne players train with the... Yes, um, okay. Uh, but it's a good question. It's a really good question. I don't, but I've never seen any footage of any of those players. No, no, um, neither have I. That's why I wanted to know how it works because they've got to slot in to the yeah. way we're playing. But there were 16 Melbourne players in that team. Well, so there were only 23 playing. So, um, yeah. and so just a few observations. One, it was terrific to watch. We played really well. Again, there was a big golf. Um, Brown was just brilliant. Like he took his chances. Um, you know, I, I really feel for Weed a bit. He would have been looking up the, you know, he would have had mixed emotions watching Brown. But Brown, but to be fair to Weed, uh, Weedeman, he was playing um, Jackson's role. And so there was sort of that um, high half forward um, um, uh, relief ruckman. So he came in for door whenever door needed to chop out. And that's a tricky position to play because Jackson's numbers, often he doesn't get high possessions. I think he got 20 plus in this game um, on the weekend, didn't he? Um, or perhaps that was the previous week. But, um, you know, it's a hard position to stay in the game. You're not going to kick as many goals. Um, you know, I think he's a, it's a good position for him um, because I reckon he's a pretty good ruckman. It keeps him around the ball, but it, it is tricky. He did drop his fair share of marks, um, I have to say. Um, he didn't clunk them. And, if you know, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard Wiedemann's in good position, Wiedemann's dropped the ball, I'd be, you know, a wealthy man. But, um, you know, standouts for me was... Um, Before you go into standouts uh, with Wiedemann, what, what, what's your sense if, he's, if you're saying there's certain players playing certain roles so that they can slip into the senior team, what, what's, what if Wiedemann's playing that high half forward Jackson role and relief ruck. He, he's covered for Jackson is my take. Yeah. He's, he's so, not coming into the team unless Jackson goes out of the team. If Brown um, gets if, injured, if Brown will come in. get injured, who's coming in? Is Wiedemann the next in line? Because Van um, Ruhlman, they're obviously going to keep and, and, and uh, you know, keep in the twos and let him sort of build up. Um but yeah, what's your thought? Well, well, I mean, you probably look. They're probably just in terms of man management. They're likely to bring Wiedemann in if one of those players went out. But they're equally just, you know, uh, Brown was in great form. I mean, he's such a clever footballer, um, um, Mitch Brown. I mean, and he's, you know, like every time he's come into the seniors, he's performed, hasn't he? He's have never not performed at Melbourne. I like him. I really like him. Um, look, I I think he's a, he's a great sort of backup if if we have uh, injuries. I, I I doubt we're winning a premiership with him in there, but I do really like him. Every time he's come in, he got those votes in the last game of the season in twenty twenty. I, I like him, and I see what he does in the in the twos. He can kick bags of goals, but I don't see. I mean, Wiedemann did it once last year, I think, but yeah. not seeing enough of that from Wiedemann. No, I mean, look. The short answer, I think, is if you if T Mac went out injured, I think they would still lean towards putting Weed in as much as anything because what would be the message to him? What yeah. what message are you sending if he huh. didn't? But look, he didn't have a great game. I think he, he's got good ruck craft. 
Um, Van Ruin looks a ripper and, and all of the things, George, that you've criticised Weed over the journey on Van Ruin is the opposite. He, he contests, he wants the ball with a passion, he's intense at the, you know, if he doesn't get it, he's going after it again. He's got something about him, that's for sure, and um, he took some sort of good marks. He's aggressive at the ball. He, he, you know, I think Wiedemann's best on the lead, but the, on the lead in footy is the old school. It's not like Dunstall where you get to run into space. You know, He reminds me of Dunstall. He's great on the lead, but not great so much in a pack. And Man Ruin looks like he just relishes a pack mark. So um, the other thing I thought was really curious was uh, Laurie played midfield. Now, he was... Uh, am I right in thinking he was a halfback flanker as a junior? And my sense was he trained down there and he was like him and Bowie were playing a similar role, um, almost a Salem-style role. But he played almost all of the time um, that he was on the ground as a midfield. Looked really neat. Um, he was definitely, um, you know, he played a really strong game. I have to say that the play that I was most impressed with that I, on a lot of levels, well, maybe not the most, but was impressed with was Melksham. Melksham looked at one, he looked a cut above, which he should be, uh, but his intensity was great. He was clever, he was involved, his body language looked good, he was attacking the footy. Um, I, I would not be shocked if he gets back in the same, uh, team sooner rather than later. He 100% looks a cut above uh, VFL level. His kicking was sublime, both on both feet. Um, you know, they. They really went to town on them um, in the end. Um, the other player that uh, really jumped out was interesting because there was discussion on Demonland board today about, um, or perhaps yesterday, that um, there's some rumour Howes coming in for, I presume, maybe Hunt might come out. I wasn't as impressed with Howes as some people were. Like, he didn't stand out. He's not a player that sort of stands out, but he, his numbers were pretty good. Um, I think around 20 possessions. So uh, I thought that was an interesting sort of bit of scuttlebutt on Demon Land that he might come in. I'd be surprised because he didn't really, I didn't think he set the world on fire, but um, uh, there was a poster who noted that he, he was taken off at third quarter and didn't play the last quarter um, with a suggestion that was to rest him up for, for next week. So that's a, that's interesting. I thought Dorr was terrific. Dorr, you know, he competes well when his ruck craft is great. Um, he's a real strong um, competitor. Um, Dunstall, Dunstan, sorry, was good in terms of his accumulator. He, he's there. He's playing against a team that he knows, obviously, so he's got a skin in that game against Sandringham. Um, I thought he was strong and he got stronger as the game progressed. Um, and, you know, he had a, a really solid game. Um, for me, probably he wasn't the best player on the ground, but the, the you know, Mitch Brown was fantastic, obviously. But leaving him aside, I just really like Van Ruin, the way he attacks the ball, and um, he, he looks... You know, it's sad to say, I mean, it wouldn't totally shock me if he ends up in the senior team before we does, but um, he's probably not likely to sort of get in the team this year. Uh, Rosman improved a lot in the second half. He was really good. He's got something about him. I love his uh, left foot. They've got four or five left footers in that um, Casey team. He had a sort of quiet second half, but really improved in the um, back half of the sort of sort of second half um, in the last quarter in particular and took mark of the day, took an absolute screamer. Um, so it's fantastic that it's you can see that. So I'll be interested, Andy. I don't. Know, I'll check it out after we check it now. Uh, it is the full the full replay as well, uh, one hundred and thirty one minutes, and also a five minute mini uh, mini match.
Great. That's, um, that is so good for VFL footy. Um, and like, as I said, I, I really enjoyed the coverage. I watched it, you know, just remind me, you don't really need much compliment. You know, I'm pretty sure it's a single camera and maybe a roving camera around the ground. Uh, they did a good job uh, and I enjoyed the game. I thought there was a lot of positives. The biggest positive was that they're playing footy, that Casey team, um, and you're getting players like uh, the other player who was, uh, sorry, just a, a standout was particularly in the second half was Bedford. Bedford was he, so he went up and he was the Maddie sub. Yep. They obviously wanted game time, so he's flown back down. I mean, he didn't play, but presumably they would have given him the running. Normally, they run the players afterwards to make mm-hmm. sure they got some game time in them. I'm not sure if they did, um, but he played a full game and he he looked a cut above as well. Um, kicked a couple of really nice goals, um, really classy, and he ran hard the whole match. So he he was it was really I. At first, I was a bit confused he was playing because I, you know, I was thinking he'd played the previous night, but he never got on the ground um, in the Suns game, did he? Yeah, but inter- interestingly, um, Melcham, uh, Dunstan, and I can't remember the third were also up on the Gold Coast, and they all flew down. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, Melcham was, you know. He had the intensity that I've criticised him for not having, uh, and he was really positive. And oh, Wiedemann was the other one. Yeah, yeah, right. They, okay. they took four players up, and they all flew down on the Sunday, obviously, and um, and I played th- that uh, that day. I think that is um, a COVID uh, thing, regulation, yeah. possibly yeah. just to um, cover your bases. Um, it's, it's, a big, a, it's a bit cool, though, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> is a bit cool. Fly just back a general in the morning thing. and play in the afternoon, sort of thing. Casey are going to be very difficult side to beat this year, I mean, particularly if we can sort of stay relatively fit. I mean, they they I know Sandringham aren't the strongest VFL team, and they've got only I think they said four um, senior AFL players, but she's uh, Casey looks strong. And considering we've got still a few injuries once uh, you know Lever here, but all those guys come back, if yeah. Smith and Tomlinson go back to the twos, um, and. Uh, yeah. I- Who's the number 47 for Casey's, like a long-term Casey player who's been with Casey forever? I just can't. Uh, uh, Mitch White? No. Munro. Munro. He's awesome. He's a great player. He's a great old-school footballer. And they had another player running around with, you know, 70-style long hair who was a Casey player too, who was like a – he looked like a avatar, a Gary Baker avatar. So um, his name escapes me as well, but he, he was terrific. All right, let's move on uh, to the ins and outs. Before we go into that, uh, the Bombers match, and um, uh, do we expect any any changes? Goodwin, obviously we've mentioned, confirmed today, both Jake Lever and Michael Hibbert are not quite ready to resume playing. Um, so, I mean, we know Goodman, Goodwin doesn't make changes willy-nilly, uh, but you, Bidman, as you mentioned, uh, you said someone on Demon Land suspected how might come in um, for Hunt. So uh, any other changes you, you would like to see or you think will do? Um, Big Man, I'll start with you. And then well, you well, there are two separate posters, RJ and um, Jaded, um, both Jaded No More, both flagged sort of uh, implied that they <laughs> sent inside my mail about how. So I'd personally be surprised because, as I said, he didn't blow me away. But, you know, maybe he's one of those players that you don't notice so much that – was it inside mail or just because he came off at three-quarter time or whenever he came off? Um, Someone asked that and it was a sort of 
opaque answer from both. <laughs> so the implication was that a bit of both was the direct answer from Jaden No More for, for that one. It was a combination of the two is what um, she said. So um, let's say that doesn't happen. I don't see a change, but I guess if I was going to go back to imp- um, improvements, Hunt had not a great game, did he? And he made some pretty big howlers. He sort of, what you were saying last week, George, he's that sort of some critical turnovers. He had a dead unlucky where he was tripped in the middle of the ground. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. that was unbelievable for a player who was down on his luck. So I'm going with no change. You know, maybe the smoky hunt comes out. Really, who else would come in for, for him if it's not, um, you know, like given Laurie's not playing on the halfback flank and seems to be playing in the midfield, it really probably realistically could only be Howes, I would have thought, um, if uh, Hunt at the moment, if, if it's not going to come back, so um, which seems to be the case. So I'm going no change with an asterisk, maybe <laughs> Howes for Hunt. I'd, I'd be really surprised in the same way if Howes came in simply because it's his second VFL game. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, you, you've got to learn the systems and operate with other people the way this team requires you to play in the same way that Smith and Tomlinson um, did when they were given their opportunities. Uh, no matter how well Howe might have played, I, I just can't see him coming in. Hunt had an absolute horror of a game apart from... Um, uh, that which would have been obvious on the television with the turnovers. He was miles off his opponent at times. Lacocious's last goal was absolutely, yeah. utterly uh, the responsibility of Hunt. He was five metres behind him. And, and he lost feel yeah. for him, didn't he? That was yeah, a... Yeah. yeah. Um, you're a defender now, Jaden. Yeah. You don't you don't allow that to happen. There was only one place that particular ball was going to go. Yeah. Um, and you're five metres away from your opponent. Um, no, that was, but the problem is, like like Bim just said, who who do you bring in? Um, Rivers might have a bit of a question mark over him because of his knee, whether and whether it's been affected even further um, as a result of that tackle. We don't know, but I, <laughs> the fact that they brought Rivers in because they needed him um, also reinforces the idea. I don't think that House will come in um, at the moment because. Uh, you know, Goodwin will need to be assured that they're going to do their role and fulfil yep. their role and understand it. So um, I, can't, I can't see any change either, really. The only other player that might fit that criteria, George, who has actually got some time under the belt, not actually many games, but he came in, Deacon Smith, he, he came in through the rookie draft, didn't he, last year? Or is that the... Am I getting that wrong? The develop... What's the... Yeah, or the, whatever it's called, that mid-season... He he played um, down back and and looked pretty comfortable. So you know he took a beautiful mark as well. He uses his body well, so he might be a player who could come into that back yeah. line potentially. The, the, the difficulty is, uh, as uh, Dazzle Davy thirty six pointed out, that people like Rosman and, and uh, Deacon Smith and um, uh, Bailey Laurie. They actually didn't play a game last year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Two years since they played a game of footy. Well, so, they, they uh, played a couple in the middle of the year. Deacon yeah, Smith played a couple. and Hardly any. And, and yeah. you know, they, they need to get some um, – uh, they, they need to show something uh, yeah. at, at least. And one game isn't enough to to um, you start yeah. replacing players uh, um, in the senior side, especially yeah. premiership side. 
it's possible that, uh, as you said, how came off because maybe they knew Rivers might not get up. So yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 actually. I mean, the thing about Hunt is they're asking him to do something different that he's yeah. and which is play one on one this year. That's not his go to. It's not where he's played off the halfback flank, or where his you know his main role has been, as you pointed out, George. The sort of run, carry, get get distance. I think they've given him a job. Say, oh, we need you to improve your one-on-one ability. And he had Waitman in round one, and and he got found out a couple of times. Lucasia's a good player, but that was a good mm. example where it was actually could have didn't swing the game, but it was a pretty critical sort of point in the match. And it, he he's, he looked frustrated as well, honey. And I, and I don't know that he is great one-on-one. Um, you know, maybe they're wanting to work on it. I mean, I I've, I've got a lot of time for him, so I'm hoping that they just go unchanged. Um, and, and Rivers is right. So, um, all right, let's um, let's move on to the actual match uh, this week. We come up against the Bombers, who are zero and two, and having to play the reigning premiers on a Friday night at the G. They're on Footy's biggest home and away stage, possibly staring in the face of a third defeat to start the year, um, where they were the fancy of many pundits, including our own George on the outer. George, do you want to retract? Your team to watch, um, and before you do it on, on an unrelated note, my team to watch, uh, Carlton, is uh, two and oh. Uh, so, George, uh, anything you want to say uh, there? Yeah, I, I, nothing to say, um, simply because I'm always 12 months ahead of the pack. Last <laughs> last year I was betting on Carlton coming good, and it's taken them 12 months, and uh, Essendon are following the same, uh, same path, so... Um, Look, they've got some really talented players available. I'm simply astounded by how badly they've been beaten. Um, it's, it is a characteristic of, of young sides, but um, they've looked very, very ordinary in, in both their games. I'm, I'm really surprised given how well they looked towards the end of last year. Um, so they're difficult. They're going to have an even more difficult uh, uh job to perform this week with Zach Merritt being out. Um, uh, Jake Stringer is being Jake Stringer and just hangs off the back of packs and does nothing um, um, seriously to help the team out. It's all about him. Um, When he gets nothing, I I watched a bit of the Essendon game uh, this last week and um, he just disappeared for whole quarters of the game, just disappeared completely. So... The Bomber supporters will be very disappointed in what they expect out of him. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know what to make of the Bombers. Um, Parrish is performing well, but as someone noted two weeks ago, he had 30-odd possessions, of which only four resulted in inside 50s. Um, compare that with what Petraka did on the weekend. Um, there's one damaging player and one who gets lots of touches but doesn't actually hurt you all that much. So uh, I suspect we're going to do reasonably uh, win reasonably easy this week um, and it's probably going to be another reason why you don't need to bring back Lever and don't need to bring back Hibbert if they're not quite right yet. A big man, have you been keeping a sharp eye on the Bombers? Yeah, to, just on just before I go into the Bombers a bit, the, I'm going to totally retract my previews is that <laughs> I, I predicted a you know, you, you lambasted me for uh, the Hawks would be the big slider. You know, you pointed out that yes, no, I don't have any. Well, I, I, I've got football preview dyslexia and that's a rare condition. So 
I meant to say they're my big improver, and I, I was also keen on the Bombers, but I meant to say it's because of my football preview dyslexia that they were going to be the big sliders, the Bombers. So, I, you know, in hindsight, it sounded as if I was wrong, but in fact, because of that condition, I was actually right. So um, the Bombers are interesting. The reason I did think they were strong, uh, and the same goes for Frio, I, I was on the back of them copying our defensive systems. And, in fact, Carlton are the team who are most looking like Melbourne. They, If you look at the way they play, it's almost uh, even <laughs> with Oscar McDonald playing that deep role. Um, they are a carbon copy of the way we go about playing football. As I said last week, a bit more aggressive, a bit more, um, you know, going through the centre. The thing about the Bombers is that, like, I, I was bullish about them because of the work they'd put into the defensive system. So, for me, the focus has been in the league at the moment, you know, you hear it at the moment. It's all the the buzzword is is territory and pressure and contest. So Collingwood are playing that, and you know, everyone loves them for that. And so, you know, that is definitely a big part of our our strength. But the big part of our ability, the the difference between us and the other teams in the competition is our defensive system. And that's why, as I say, I was bullish about Frio and um, uh, the Bombers because I felt that that they were implementing a strong defensive system. The, fir- the, prop- the thing about that model, as we've talked about any number of times, is that you need all of these other elements to always be brought to the... You need pressure, you need all players doing the defensive running, you need so many pieces of the puzzle for that system to work. Um, and in the first week, the system completely fell apart um, because they didn't bring any intensity. Their, their contested ball numbers in that first round were shocking against Geelong and they duly got smashed... Um, they could not stop momentum at all at any point in that game. And I, I would put that down to their their poor running, um, but also their defense, you know, just wasn't up to it. Conversely, in this game against Brisbane, they were actually started fantastic. And Uze made the point this morning on SEN that on expected scores, on that champion data expected scores, they actually won that game. Um, now, he... Was pointing out they the clubs put a bit of stock in that expected scores, but it was all in the first quarter. So they actually had a, a fantastic first quarter. Could have easily been five six um, goals up at the end of the first quarter. Essendon had scored all of its um, the first quarter goals, so they kicked four five um, in that first quarter. Really should have been six or seven goals quarter. They they were dominant. They smashed Brisbane. Um, they got all of their first quarter goals from turnovers and controlled stoppages. Um, they won the clearance count in that quarter, that first quarter, eleven to two, um, and got five of their scores um, to to Brisbane's zero from um, clearances. So they their system was working in that first first quarter. Their defensive system was working in that um, first quarter. They were, you know, Brisbane are a top four team. Um, they're an excellent footy team. Um, they they a team that prides themselves on on um, their ability to win contested ball. They got smashed in that first quarter. So the signs were were fantastic for Essendon. Their system was strong. Um, the big concern, if you were an Essendon fan, um, was what happened afterwards. So you know, must win game. Um, they really had to sort of, they were in their driver's seat. They arguably could have been five, six goals up. They should have been. They didn't take their chances. They missed a lot of easy gets, uh, shots at goal. They, as I say, at the end of the first quarter, they were winning the um, clearance count by nine, 11 to two. So they, they, like they were smashing Brisbane. They were smashing them in contested ball, which is no mean um, effort. 
Um, they ended up losing their um, contested ball, uh, sorry, the clearance count by 10. So from that point on, they went completely backwards. Their system fell apart um, in terms of their ability to stop um, the Lions, who in the second quarter just flipped on its head. Um, um, the Bombers scored just the uh, one goal four, so they missed chances again. Um, and good footy is good kick, good kicking is good footy. Brisbane piled on six goals one, so you know to to have a halftime lead forty four to thirty nine, and then from that point on, you know it, it was. I think the difference between us and all of the other teams, the pack chasing us, is that we don't give up runs of goals. Every other team, including Carlton, if you look at the scores, they're really high um, at the moment because they're still giving up goals even though they're they're winning. Um, same goes for Hawthorne, whose defensive system looks very similar to ours and, and, it, and it's looking great actually after me knocking it, being the reason why I thought they'd, they'd be so poor. Um, big concern for Essendon. They scored six goals in the third quarter lines. They just could not stop them scoring. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of, controlled the game in the end. They scored 15-7 in the end, so it was good uh, kicking. But um, really, to be, you know, 22, four goals up at the end of first quarter should have been six. To lose by, you know, what was it in the end, 22 points, um, a huge, huge um, concern, albeit Brisbane are a good footy team. So that first quarter, if they bring that, can stay in it, they'll, they'll be in, in the match. Two things about the problem. They've got some big problems coming into this match, one of which is their best player, Merritt, is out. So that's that's a big, big problem. Um, interestingly, I don't think they've got good small forwards. Um, and they're the, you know, as we've talked about, small forwards are the sort of players that really hurt Melbourne. Um, it was a problem for them that Wright was so dominant. Wright was unbelievable in that match, Kerry-like, in terms of his numbers. Uh, he won't get those sorts of marking numbers against us. I think that um, he, in that first quarter, um, he had 12 possessions, Peter Wright, um, took eight marks and kicked two goals. Um, you know, he's not taking eight marks against us with our defensive system. Um, you take that out of that team. Um, he's that you know they've lost that game against Brisbane by seven goals, so it's a big problem for them. Um, I, I think that you know they they don't match up well with us in terms of of that um, big game for them. I read and I'm not sure if this is true, so this might be an urban myth. They haven't gone down three zip um, at the beginning of the season since 1967. I read. I, I'm, I'm, I'll take that with a grain of salt because it was from a quote from Big Footy. <laughs> oh, well, I heard that as well, but it might have been from the same place. Yeah. So um, a big, big game for them. So we can expect them to come out and the very least they'll come out and, you know, their contested ball will, will probably be similar to what it was in that first quarter. Um, but, they, you know, I don't think they've got the – I don't think Brisbane have got the same defensive um, ability as us, so they're not going to be able to jump us in the same way. Um Merits out's huge. I hope that Goody goes to town and tags or puts the the cooler is the um, current phrase um, that they've thrown around on um, Parish and cut him out of the game. Just don't give him anything. I'm going to take your point, George. That it gets a lot of easy. You know, these numbers are padded, but if they take him out of the game, they're just not going to get any drive out of the centre. Um, without merit, suddenly their midfield just looks B grade, um, and you know I think they're 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 in a bit of struggle town. So you know it's a long season. I'm not. Definitely not writing them off yet, but I'm surprised at how ineffective their system has been. But perhaps more surprised by the fact they're not doing the defensive running you need to do to, to win at sort of at the level, certainly not top four level anyway. 
George, anything else you want to add? Uh, just to back up what the uh, big man said, there was a, a post from Watson 11 just in the last couple of days who's running a, t- a table of um, percentage of scores from inside 50 defence. Uh, at the moment, Essendon's running at 52%. So basically, one out of every two times you go inside their 50, you're going to score, um, whereas Melbourne is down to 32%. So that, that just shows the, the difference between the two sides. The, their defence is absolutely not not up to the same standards as what we as the premiers are. George, just with that table, if you've got it in front of you, that is, what's the we're number one on that, I know, but... How? What's the next? Who's number two? Like, oh, I, I don't have to bring it up. I haven't got it in front of me. I just picked that out as, yeah, you know, so, for, for, the, for this game. And for a team that defensive system was modelled on Melbourne, fifty-two percent is not going to cut it, is it? No, no. And I think they were bottom or second bottom in on the table, just purely from memory. But yeah, yeah. Half, half the time you go in there, you're going to score. Yeah. And as we've talked about, what that points to is not necessarily a poor defence. It points to your midfields and your half-back flankers and your half-forward flankers not doing enough running. Um, that's where you get a blowout like that number. Um, all right. Uh, it's going to be a big uh, big game on Friday night. It's our home game, so uh, everyone get down there and um, support. I'll be there, Andy. I'll be there. You're finally going to... Um Get to get to a game this year. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to be back at the footy. You'll have a sore, very sore throat. Uh, hopefully not from COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after the game, I can assure. I'm not you. seeing another human between now and Friday. That's going to be my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Point isolation. Um, all right, let's let's move on to uh, for the last point of business. Uh, our AFLW, our women's team, is playing in the preliminary final on Saturday at the MCG for our first match on the Hello Turf at twelve forty PM against the Brisbane Lions. We've had some close games against the Lions in our past two outings, with uh, both decided by under a kick, I believe. Uh, George, do you expect a similar hard fought close game? Uh, I think. I absolutely agree that it will be. Um, you've got uh, the current premiers playing on one side of the ground, and and uh, Melbourne challenging for the for that position. Um, there's a lot at stake. Whoever wins this, obviously, is into the grand final. Um, let's hope that Adelaide slip on the other side because that will actually give us um, the potential to actually play a home final uh, here in Melbourne. But that depends on the results of not only this match but the other one. We're, we're in a, a very good position. I saw the injury list tonight. Um, there's two players who are on that who basically haven't played all season. Um, so we've got a full list to, to um, choose from coming into this game. Um, sounds a bit familiar to another team that won a premiership recently. Uh, that, two-week that's, break as well, George. Sorry? Two-week break as well. Yeah, and I think that's why the uh, injury list is so low that... Uh, Eden Zankar, for example, had a uh, quad injury while she's recovered from that, and uh, she's a big necessary in the middle of the of the ground. Um, but yeah, for the girls in particular, um, that two week break uh, would be very very advantageous. It's a bruising sport um, that gives them the time to refresh and and get their bodies back. They're not full time at this um, game, so. Um, uh, having a full list basically is the best possible advantage, uh, best possible position that we'll be in at this time of the year. So um, I'll be there. I hope there are plenty of other people to uh, to cheer them on. Brisbane are a very good side, and that's why they're back uh, in the preliminary again this year. And isn't that just 
just awesome that it's going to be at the G. Yeah, that's fantastic. fantastic. And uh, the weather's twenty one degrees. Yeah, uh, just a maybe one or two showers. They so should be perfect for footy. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, everyone, I encourage everyone to get down there, support the girls, and um, yeah, let's hope we can get into a grand final. Have they indicated where? If, if Adelaide do fall over uh, and we do get a home final, is it likely to be at the G? George, have you heard any Um I, I don't know. <laughs> it depends. On, well, look, the AFL was prepared to push. I, who else was playing on Saturday? The, um, is there is Geelong, Collingwood? Collingwood-Geelong at night. Y- yeah, and I think they pushed that game back. It was originally slated for the afternoon in order, oh, to, accommod- in right. order to accommodate the uh, AFLW game. So, right. um uh, yeah, so that's a good sign uh, for the future, but they're not going to make decisions about that until they see the results of these two games. And, and I read, George, sorry, and I read George that only two players in the Melbourne team have played on the MCG, and it was in an exhibition game, one of those exhibition yeah. games against uh, the Bullies, I presume. Yeah, that would be Daisy and Taylor, and they yeah. were magnificent that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just looked at uh, the next week. There, there's also a game. There's no game during the day at uh, the MCG. There's a Marvel Stadium game in the afternoon uh, at uh, Collingwood's playing West Coast, and then the G at night is Richmond, um, the, uh, Richmond Bulldogs at seven twenty-five, which is like the game, the Collingwood Geelong game um, on the Saturday night this week. So it's very possible. It's a possible a, a game could be at the G, uh, providing Adelaide don't. Uh, in their preliminary final to get the home final. Yeah. I heard Daisy on SEN talking about the match and she was buzzing about the fact that it was at the G. It's terrific. So I'm going to try and get down there, George. Got to um, square away a few things on <laughs> Friday night. and the, um, But, yeah, it's a um, big opportunity for us to get through a grand final and, you know, with Daisy, sort of the question she was asked is, with the next season starting in August, do you go again? Because <laughs> before you know it, it'll be the start of round one of 2022-23 um, of season. Uh, exciting times. All right, boys, I think uh, I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. Um, yeah, exciting uh, times. Uh, back at the G on a Friday night. Uh Good, good to get these prime time slots. Uh, we've got to soak it up while, while we've got them. Um, all right, we'll be back next week. Uh, go Demons. Go Red Legs. <laughs>